Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Guys, welcome to another fun episode of TFL Talking Trucks. I am Andre Smirnov. And my co-host, Roman Micah, is not on this episode. He's on his way to Moab, Utah with Tommy, his son, to do some off-roading. But no matter, we have a very important guest. Uh, with me is Mark from Atlas. Uh, Mark, uh, please introduce yourself really quick. Hey. Uh, well, thank you for having me. Uh, I'm Mark Hanchett, the CEO and founder of uh, Atlas Motor Vehicles, an electric vehicle uh, pickup truck company here located in Mesa, Arizona. Thank you. And in this show, I want to discuss uh, the future of trucking, but specifically um, electric trucks. And more specifically, I want to talk about the uh, battery technology because you have, you know, that's one of your strengths at Atlas. And um, you're trying to do something that I think currently with current technology um, is not um, very well done. And I'm talking about towing with an electric vehicle. And in this show, I'm going to tell you a little story about our towing experience we did recently with a Tesla Model X, because mm -hmm. that's currently the electric vehicle that can tow the most, um, period, uh, available on sale. Thank you for joining TFL Talking Trucks podcast. If you love pickup trucks or big full-size SUVs, if you love trailering, towing and going off-road, this is the right place to be. Together, we can make this podcast the most popular ever. But also, Mark, uh, tell me a little bit more about sort of your company, Atlas Motor Vehicle, and let's kind of dig in into this battery technology. Okay. Uh, well, Atlas Motor Vehicles is an electric vehicle technology company uh, with a focus on building vehicles and technology for what we call the work market. So we're really focused on building uh, an underlying sort of platform technology, battery, motors, the whole sort of skateboard scenario uh, for vehicles that are designed to do heavy duty work like pickup trucks uh, that are intended to tow and haul uh, heavy loads, long distances under very extreme conditions uh, to sort of uh, the ultimate goal is to move the word the world forward from gas and you know sort of diesel combustion engines to electrification but do it in a way without compromise where we're not asking you to give things up we're saying this new solution is going to be so much better that everything you've you've done in the past just it doesn't seem right anymore it, it seems obsolete Okay, so how do you do that? I mean, right now we have kind of several technologies at play, right? We have lithium ion battery technology, which uh, most manufacturers currently are using, correct? Mm -hmm. Correct. Um, and then um, we have some others like General Motors recently announced their um, NCB, mm -hmm. uh, or what is that called? 
uh, it's, uh, I don't remember what the acronym actually stands for, but it, uh, it should be, uh, I think it's, they're calling it NCB, but it's really like an NCM based uh, chemistry solution with some modifications to it. Yeah, so basically their chemistry is, and this is not on, mar on the market yet, basically nickel, cobalt, magnesium, and I think they threw a little bit of uh, aluminum in there too. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, it's NCMA or something like that. Is it, it, Other manufacturers are looking at that as well because your energy density goes up uh, when you start combining different uh, chemistry solutions. So, and the main goal is sort of, range 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 and i know we're kind of almost beating a dead horse here but mm -hmm. when i'm towing with a diesel truck or a, a gas powered truck or suv whatever it may be right um, i have the range goes down when towing correct with correct. any vehicle yes but the ease of replenishing that energy on a gas or a diesel vehicle is really easy right now yes and the energy density in that gasoline or diesel is very high yeah, when you think sheer volume of, of a, a product, uh, you have a gas tank, let's say it's 30 gallons, which is roughly an average for most trucks today starting out. Uh, that 30 gallon tank is relatively small when you think about a 200 kilowatt hour or 100 kilowatt hour battery pack and how much physical space that takes up. Uh, so energy density of fuel is incredibly high. Uh, when compared to battery uh, electric systems. On the flip side though, the efficiency of a battery electric vehicle is significantly higher when compared to an internal combustion engine vehicle, where you're looking at something in the 20% efficiency range here from in terms of converting uh, a physical substance to energy right and then to motion versus a battery electric vehicle, which is, you know, 80s, 90s percent, depending on what's going on there uh, in terms of efficiency. So that's, it's kind of like, well, energy density isn't that high, but efficiency in the vehicle is so much higher that it tries to offset it mm -hmm. until you do something like towing, where, you know, you have a big trailer or you have a lot of mass. There's so many different conditions there where all of those things that say Tesla does from an aerodynamic standpoint sort of goes out the window uh, because they designed for certain speeds of efficiency, the design for certain um, aerodynamic efficiencies. And when you start towing, none of that really matters anymore. Yeah, because you're dragging extra axles, right? Your trailer may have maybe a box, right? Correct. So your trailer may, is not aerodynamic in most cases. Correct. So what is... So what is Atlas doing in, on this front uh, for battery and energy density and rechargeability? Right, so there's two approaches to solve this problem. The first approach is uh, get energy density up to a certain point where you can drive so far that if you have to wait for an hour, it offsets the, the let's say it's you drive for four hours and 15 minutes every hour you had to charge or you drive for say three hours and or three three hours 15 minutes and then charge for 45 minutes whatever that comes out to be the the total amount of time is the same mm -hmm. so the industry standard approach today is to aim for super high energy density as as much range as you could possibly get and charge times still remain fairly static. I think the best you'll see is 
35 minutes for roughly 80%, maybe 22 minutes in a Porsche, right, for 80%. Mm -hmm. um, and in those particular cases, you're, you're, from a battery perspective, you're saying, let's just try and get as much energy as we possibly can in there and get as much range as possible because we know it's just going to take so long to charge. Our approach is different. We recognize very early on that, yes, uh, a base vehicle needs enough energy in that pack to go, say, 500 plus miles uh, to compete with, like, my diesel truck that I drive. Mm -hmm. um, and, but when I'm towing, that range will drop. It'll drop to 350. It'll drop to 300. It could drop all the way down to 150 miles to, if we're at, in, in a most extreme condition possible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and we need to solve some of the challenges related to that. In that particular case, it no longer makes sense to drive for two hours and charge for an hour. That, that's a non-starter, right? That could get old really quickly. Right, right. So the way we're addressing that is we're saying, listen, let's get as much energy density in this pack as we possibly can to hit that, the, those range marks. Let's design the pack in such a way that it's actually designed for high power output continuously versus aiming for low power output, you know, the lowest amount of power output in a non-towing scenario um, and making it super efficient there. Let's aim for realistic conditions. Let's aim for 65, 75 mile an hour highway speeds. Let's aim for towing very, very high loads and let's design a power system, a pack solution, which is all the power management and everything else such that it's designed for that specific scenario and not for the um, the 80% use case. Because the 80% use case is relatively easy. The 20% use case when we're doing those really heavy things or in work trucks turns into the 80%. That's the hard thing. So a couple things we're doing different is uh, we're developing a higher voltage pack. Uh, we're not doing a 400 or 800 volt pack. We're doing a 1600 volt pack. Okay. Um, and the reason we're doing that is there's two sides of it. One is to gain some efficiency within the vehicle in terms of energy output and how much current is drawn and how much heat is generated and, and things like that. And then the other side of it is on if we're going to charge this very quickly, we need to bring the current down that's coming in through that cable because otherwise that cable is going to be the size of my head. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's not, again, that's a non-starter. So let's bump that voltage up as high as we can. So we can pump basically higher voltage, less current in through a cable when we plug it in and we can provide more energy and do it at a higher efficiency. So that's one thing that we're doing. Uh, number two is while GM is focused on building these really, really big cells, uh, and, and that is definitely something we looked at, our approach is to build a customized cell, and I'll get into some details there, but our approach is to build a customized cell that's not necessarily super big because the more cells you have in parallel for every group that's in series, mm -hmm. the lower the impedance of that parallel pack versus one big chunk, right? That one big cell, let's say it has an, uh, a resistance of like six ohms or six milliohms. Um, if you take say 10 of those in parallel, right? It's one over six, one over six, one over six, one over six, and it's one divided by the, the sum of that, which means your impedance for that parallel pack goes down a, a tremendous amount. So when we're pumping energy out or pumping energy in, there's actually less heat generated within that system and there's less of a voltage drop when we're pulling a lot of power out of that system. 
So you're China basically saying, you're basically saying uh, it's something like, you know, having a giant suitcase full of battery pack. Right. Let's say versus several small backpacks put together. Is that what you're saying? Correct. Yeah, it's, it's kind of similar to that approach. And it's very similar to what Tesla does with the tiny little cells simply because they have to. Um, but we recognize that, okay, so when our range goes down, we need to solve that hour charge time problem. How do we do that? And how do we do it without turning it into a PhD, like university research project that may never actually go somewhere? How can we leverage technology that exists today all of the different downfalls and what can we do to solve that? We actually took an approach uh, that uses existing chemistries that are available and a very new battery cell construction uh, and tied that to thermal management of that pack to be able to achieve that goal. So now we get high energy density with the solution, but then when you do have to charge and your range drops when you're towing, now you can plug in and fill it up in 15 minutes or less. Right now our tests are doing nine minutes, 26 seconds, which is phenomenal. Uh, for, that's, a full, for a full battery pack? For a full, yeah, for what we would say is a full battery pack, like what the customer would experience, which is zero to 100%. Now they're, like everybody else, there's a buffer on the top and bottom for, um, for different reasons, mm -hmm. actually. So, Recently, uh, here at TFL Car and TFL Truck, we did a test, mm -hmm. a comparison test, where we towed uh, a 5,000-pound trailer, which was actually a flat deck trailer with a car on top of it. Okay. A small car. So that was a relatively aerodynamic trailer. It wasn't a box. And we used two vehicles. We used a Tesla Model X uh, with 100, approximately 100 kilowatt hours uh, worth of energy in yep. their pack. And then we used the Lexus LX570 to compare okay. it against uh, because those two vehicles are about the same price. Uh, they're probably in around $90,000 range to $100,000 range, both of them. Yep. Um, both of them uh, you know, are four-wheel drive vehicles, all-wheel drive systems. Uh, both of them have hitches, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And we drove about 64 miles, mm -hmm. let's say 60 miles for purposes of discussion. Yep. And compared how a big gas V8, right, in the Lexus compares yep. to electric motors and the battery pack uh, in this Tesla. And for this approximately 60 mile loop, which also included a mountain climb and actually a descent. Right. We were able to recoup some energy on the downhill. Uh, we used about 39 or 40 percent of the Tesla's total energy capacity to mm -hmm. go about 64 miles. Okay. Um, so multiply that by two. Okay, so that's about 120 miles plus a little bit of buffer, let's say. So yeah. um, technically this towing experience could be about 150 miles. Um, uh, towing about 5,000 pounds in the Tesla. Uh, the Lexus had a little bit more energy left over uh, the Lexus used approximately 20% of its uh, fuel, fuel capacity yep. to do the same job, uh -huh. basically. Um, so it still had quite a lot of energy left. Um, so, and the charge times differ too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? So <laughs> the Lexus takes, what, maybe three to four minutes to fill up a tank right. of fuel. 
Um, Tesla uh, didn't do so well. I mean, we use the supercharger station um, right. here in Colorado and um, we did um, the, to regain that 40%. I think that was about 30 minutes. Yeah, it's um, about right, yeah. We weren't charging all the way. So, mm -hmm. so we were within that, you know, and this is a realistic time because everybody talks about ideal cases, right? Uh, this yeah, is yeah. real world where there are four other cars charging at the same time. You know, right. we're, we're there in the afternoon on a regular weekday. Mm -hmm. so, um, so those are kind of the experiences that we found. Right. Yeah, so uh, not knowing, so on the Lexus, what was your change in fuel mileage, I guess? What, what did you, I assume you guys measured that. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely we did. Um, so ba basically what happens is the Lexus by itself, just mm -hmm. with no trailer, it's not a very efficient vehicle to begin with right it's epa rated at about 14 miles per gallon combined um maybe about 17 on the highway right um, and it's um it didn't drop that much it wasn't a two-fold drop to tow that trailer it right was, you know it was about um and i don't have every number in my head i apologize but it was it was a very um so let, let me just say that uh, 14 mpg uh, like not towing versus like nine towing, right? So so it wasn't uh, like a twofold difference. It was right. less efficient, but not in a huge way, not in a huge dramatic way, because it started out as a kind of an inefficient uh, system, um, and then of course you added weight to it, uh, and it brought it down, but not by a lot. On the right. other hand, the Tesla was very efficient, empty. Like mm -hmm. we also ran that loop empty, on right. late. Um, and it was more than twice that we saw the decrease of efficiency with the trailer. Yeah. So, uh, the one challenge that you have is with say the, the gas vehicle, right? Um, regardless if it's inefficient or efficient when it starts is that, uh, the amount of energy that it can extract from like one, you know, molecule of fuel, I guess, so to speak. Um, it, uh, it, there's more energy available there, right? So as you're towing and as it, it requires more power, right? It requires, an, a, you know, more torque, uh, to be able to accomplish that. It can extract more energy from a single, say, unit of fuel than it would when it's normally like just sort of driving down the road. Mm -hmm. Um, now it doesn't a hundred percent work in a train, like it doesn't work a hundred percent like that, right? Because the efficiency continues to go down as you pump more fuel inside there, right? As the load goes up, it doesn't become more efficient uh, when you're trying to tow. It's just, it becomes a little more efficient in certain aspects of it when you're, when you're towing. Um, the other side of it is from an internal combustion engine standpoint, they're typically designed for high efficiency at highway speeds. Then you load it, it takes a little more power. You're going up a hill, down a hill and things like that. It's, it's definitely designed to be the most efficient it can there, but knowing that that's a V8, that means you have power and reserve, right? That, mm -hmm. That's available there. Now in the Tesla, you definitely have a similar scenario. You have, it's designed for ultra high efficiency at a very specific highway speed going down the road um, from an aerodynamic standpoint, from a battery consumption standpoint, from everything from basically the, the battery to the motors, to the controllers, to the vehicle body, right? Everything is designed to be the most efficient possible. And 
when you start to, when you put a trailer on the end of that, because it's operating outside of its efficiency range, that curve mm -hmm. that's in there, and it can't shift that, right? It can't do anything to really like gain more efficiency down low when it wasn't technically designed to, to do that. Um, so when you shift outside the efficiency range, right, things drop very, very quickly, drops drastically. Same, same thing with uh, at 55 miles an hour, a Tesla is typically very, very efficient going down the road. As you increase speed, yes, you're dealing with additional aerodynamic drag, but you're also moving away from the peak of that efficiency curve for that entire system, mm -hmm. right? So efficiency drops as well. When you hook a trailer up, you're talking about a lot more power consumption that's going on, a lot more heat that's being generated for that, whereas the internal combustion engine vehicle does a very good job at managing that. Uh, both from the cooling system, but more importantly from the fuel injection system and everything it's doing there to actually keep that heat down but increase power and torque. Mm -hmm. um, whereas the electric vehicle, that's a shift in the curve. It's not necessarily, there's not much you can do there uh, if it's designed for ultra high efficiency at one specific use case. Um, now what we're doing different here at Atlas is one on the battery side of things, we recognize that it's going to be high power draw over long periods of time. Tesla aims for low power draw over long periods of time. That's why if you continuously stress the, the like acceleration and regen, mm -hmm. uh, take your Model X to a track, mm -hmm. it, it gets hot and power comes down right over time. Whereas Porsche did something different with their battery technology. They aimed for that very specific track use case. Um, and that's the difference between those two from a battery perspective, because that's where all of your power is coming from. Right. So, so, so it sounds like you're saying um, there's several elements in play. It, mm -hmm. It's not just like the chemistry of the battery. It's not just like the voltage of the battery system. Right. Um, it's not just, it's, it's a holistic view. You can't just say, oh, are you using lithium ion or, you know, nickel cobalt? You know, it, it, there's more to that than that. It, correct. Yeah. It's, it's what chemistry are you using? What cell technology are you using? How is that configured in the pack? How are you thermally managing that solution to maintain your efficiency? Um, because when you're looking at, if you're aiming for a low current draw, then you're aiming for the, the best case scenario, low heat generation, low, um, uh, low voltage drop in the cell, low impedance in the cell for, for low current drop. Like there's all sorts of things in high energy density. So it goes for a very long time. But if you're talking about towing and hauling and doing these sort of heavy duty things that trucks are supposed to do, um, you, you should be aiming for high output over long periods of time at the highest efficiency you could possibly get that you need to have the ability to shift that curve a little bit and, and get efficiency when you're unloaded because that's what a large portion of us do commuting to and from work. Mm -hmm. But then when you use that vehicle in that particular scenario, you can't have massive efficiency drops in that system when that's occurring. You have to do as much as you can to bring that up uh, and, and sort of make sure that curve, I guess, is wide enough, right? That, that while you're towing and under that, that scenario, you're operating at a, the highest possible efficiency you can. The best example also is uh, while weight and things like that matter, aerodynamics is a big thing. So we can design the most aerodynamic truck in the world to get the mm -hmm. best 
fuel economy when driving on the highway between say like here in LA or here in Vegas. But the moment I put a trailer on that or I hook up a camper and I want to go up to the mountains or I want to go do something like that, that my efficiency is going to drop drastically because I'm carrying this big box behind me. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have to design the battery pack as a system as well as the, the motors and the, the sort of drive systems. That whole system has to be designed for that high output scenario or that ink double, triple output scenario to get the most efficiency we possibly can. So it's not a, it's not a factor of, say we, we go from a 8,000 pound vehicle to 16,000 combined pounds and therefore a range drops in half. We, we can't have that scenario. We need to have a scenario that's, that's very proportional to the, the use case that we have. And that's, you have to start with that and then design your battery technology and your, the, the pack technology, I guess, since that's the subject matter that we're focusing on today, mm-hmm. design that for that specific scenario. Yeah, and trucks are not generally aerodynamic. No, they're, they're, <laughs> by, they're a brick. By right? nature, <laughs> yeah. right? And, and a lot of, a lot of uh, people actually try to you know, put them higher in the air and none of that actually helps, right? It, yeah. it, it, all, it all detracts, you know. People love seeing those big tires, you know, really kind of macho, big, square uh, pickup truck look. Um, and it's interesting when you look at... Um, sort of design and proposed designs across the board, right, for trucks. And we can talk yeah. a little bit about, you know, what you're trying to get your truck to look at. Like, mm-hmm. um, it's a traditional shape, right? You know, there's kind of a hood area in the front, there's a cabin area in the mm-hmm. middle, and then there's a bed area in the back. And right. I would say that's a very traditional shape, a mm-hmm. uh, very kind of rectangular shape in, in a yep. lot of ways. Uh, I'm not talking about Cybertruck. <laughs> It's a, yeah, yeah. It's a well, whole different it, shape. Yeah, I think it. Um, when it comes to pickup trucks, you have a a certain constraint that you have to fit within. And imagine, uh, from like a DOT standpoint, you you literally have a box that you can fit inside, and you're trying to maximize the amount of usable space within that box constraint. So um, I would love to design a pickup truck that doesn't look or a truck a work utility vehicle that looks nothing like we have today. The challenge is it has to fit within this confined space that's dictated by parking spaces, lanes, you know, overhead garages, you know, parking garages and stuff like that. There's all these restrictions out there from a safety standpoint and, and things like that that we have to fit within. Mm-hmm. And it really limits the creativity of what you could potentially do. Um, but to your point, yeah, pickup truck is a brick going down the road um, and you try to maximize as much space as you possibly can that's usable there. Uh, in our particular case, we went with, we could have pushed the cab forward and done a cab over design and shortened the length and maybe added more bed space. But the one complaint that I have is that uh, I use my truck for work. I use it for fun on the weekends. I use it to go pick up groceries from the grocery store. And when you do that, you can either put it at the bed and do some things there. I could put it in the back seat with the whole family in there, mm-hmm. or I could have a large usable storage space that's accessible in a parking space. And without the engine and stuff up there, let's let's leverage that hood, you know, that sort of frontal area that's there. Let's make that usable. Let's make that convenient. Let's let's make that functional again. 
because yes, it's now dead space, but now it's available space that goes beyond sort of tradition of what's so you're, out there. You're basically saying it can be a cargo area, right? It can house your tools or other things. Yeah, and when you think about parking spaces and, and how the world is sort of configured today and how it will continue to be, we wanted something that is accessible when you're backed into or pulled into a parking space. Um, so not to throw stones, but like if you have something on the side, right, and you're in narrow parking spaces, it's very hard to access things on the side. If you've ever tried to open your truck doors in a very narrow space, especially in more urban areas, mm -hmm. in a parking space, sometimes you can't even get to the first click, right, when you're opening the door. Right. Um, and for some of us bigger guys that are trying to get out, that's a real challenge. Uh, so I wanted something that's, you know, accessible front and rear, right, depending on how you parked and, and something that's very usable for tools. It's lockable. It's, uh, it's configurable down the road. So if somebody wants to make something to make that a different type of usable space, they can do that. Yeah, that's very interesting. So um, you, you're saying for your truck design, you're going to have several different sort of weight categories and capability Correct. categories. And also, uh, let's talk a little bit more about sort of the charging process and the network itself. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so in order to meet the weight category differences, there are uh, two main things that really affect that. There's a number of things, but we'll talk about two big things. Uh, the first one is the suspension and brake systems, right? That basically that drive system, do you have enough power? Can you stop? Can it handle the loads? Uh, and can you drive safely down the road? Uh, we're developing from that particular approach, we're developing scalability into it. So uh, very similar to today, but we're trying to do it with like one set of components versus having to change things out. The biggest thing in electrification that affects how much you could tow though is going to be how much power is available and how long can you use that power, which again is the battery pack system. Mm -hmm. So we needed to develop a system that is uh, scalable to the point where if we want to tow say 10,000 pounds versus 35,000 pounds, that we can very easily scale that up to give you enough power and enough range to be able to accomplish that. But what we didn't want to do was scale that and then come back and say, if you tow 35,000 pounds, you can only do that for say 150, 200 miles, but then you're gonna have to charge for two hours now because there's not enough power available to accomplish that. Mm -hmm. So we had to think about the charging station technology and what's involved there. What's the most ideal scenario for that particular case? So obviously the, the, the plug and charge model is fantastic, right? You plug it in, light turns green, you're good, you don't have to swipe cards, you don't have to go through 25 menus, right, to, to be able to enable that. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's part one. Part two is how do we deliver one and a half megawatts of power to the vehicle, do it safely, but do it in such a way that you and I or my 80s, not now 90 year old grandfather could do it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, make it easy and, and not be some industrial contraption uh, be as easy as fueling your vehicle. So we had to invent, or we, well, it's still in development, but we're basically creating the nozzle, the cable technology that allows us to do that. And then power distribution into that, we're working with partners on that side to, to basically take grid power and, and turn it into one and a half megawatts of output. So how's that? I, I 
I'm not very electrically uh, knowledgeable. Yeah. <laughs> so what is 1.5 megawatt? What, what does that compare to today as, as far as like charging some other electric car? So I think Tesla's is uh, two, 230, 250 kilowatts. I can't remember for the version three supercharger. Um, so we're, you know, six times that uh, today. Uh, Electrify America has the CCS 2.0 stations, which are 350 kilowatts, but mm -hmm. no one today can technically use all that power. There is no vehicle that can use that. Uh, but if you have a 250 kilowatt hour battery pack, a 250 kilowatt charging station, best case scenario will take one hour uh, in theory, but it, the curve doesn't actually work that way. So it's actually more than an hour to charge that way. So um, to, to put it in, in the plainest way I possibly could, if you have a 100 kilowatt hour pack and you have this curve that goes up and back down in terms of how much power is delivered, at that peak, we have six times the capacity is the power delivery. So it's a 100 kilowatt hour pack. We need 600 kilowatts of power at that peak point to going into that pack. And then it tapers as you get close to full. Okay. Um, so in our particular case, we're planning for a, a current 250 kilowatt hour pack as the largest one. Mm -hmm. So six times that is 1.5 megawatts or 1,500 kilowatts of power. And if we're developing a 1,600 volt system, that means we're talking about a little less than 1,000 amps of current being pulled into that, that pack at that peak point of that curve. And then it tapers okay. as you go towards the end. Gotcha. And you're saying, I mean, for you, you've seen with your technology about what a 10 minute recharge time. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, excuse me one second. Let me take a drink. <laughs> sure. So, um, what we've been able to do is and have, instead of having like a, a small peak, <clears throat> we've widened that curve as much as we can. So we're seeing a nine minute, 26 second charge time currently. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm got to clear it up a little bit. That's okay. No problem. But uh, yeah, so we're seeing basically what we call empty, which is a little bit above actual zero to a hundred percent, which is a little bit below a hundred percent. Right. Um, we're saying that whole curve reaches what we call a hundred percent charge in nine minutes and 26 seconds. That's our current test data. And we are not seeing a degradation in life cycle uh, compared to like an industry standard test, which is like an hour charge time. So we're doing cycles of charge and discharge in these cells in this, this uh, uh, pack design. And if, uh, as an example, if we were to say, this should do 500 of these cycles, which is the equivalent of like one charge per year for almost 10 years. Um, we are not seeing a degradation in life cycles that says we're gonna hit typical 100 or 150 cycles, we're still seeing data that indicates we will still hit 500 cycles. The test is ongoing, it takes months and months and months to do that, mm -hmm. um, but all of the indications are that the curves are, are in line with each other, that they're matching. So we're not seeing anything there. Uh, we're not seeing increases in impedance, we're not seeing anything that indicates that we're getting failures inside this, which tells us that what we're doing is working. Okay, gotcha. Because I, I know a, a lot of folks are also a little worried about 
uh, you know, let's say you have this truck, right? You bought right. it and then uh, you've used it for eight years and then you want to resell it or, mm -hmm. you know, do something else, right? Right. So what is that life cycle like? Because a lot of people are worried, well, in eight years, my battery might be used up or whatever. How do I deal with that? So that goes back to the use case. Let's think about a, a truck and how it's used. Uh, uh, average consumer might put in a 10 year period, may put what, uh, 120,000 miles if you're using the 12,000 mile per year average over the course of 10 years. Yeah. Uh, but in a pickup truck and a work truck, they may do 250,000 miles in the first couple of years, right? Or in a 10 year period, we're saying they could do a million miles, especially for these guys that do a lot of, uh, towing and hauling sort of cross country, right. right? Or between states. Mm -hmm. So our goal is to design for that scenario. So our goal is to design for the 1 million mile scenario. And if we don't quite hit that early on, we have a business plan to, to sort of um, compensate for that, for those vehicles that won't necessarily hit that right away. But right now the data indicates that we will. So the first thing is design your pack technology, not for 150,000 miles and three year warranties. I think that that world is gone. Uh, electrification and, and the new vehicle technology is we should be aiming for million mile use cases for all of the vehicles that we do. Because yes, these will be used by one person over that period of time. There will be maintenance involved, build programs to solve that, but we should be aiming for a million miles. So if you, use say in 10 years you use 500,000 miles you should in theory if you maintain everything get another 500,000 miles of use out of that vehicle now there's rust there's wear and tear on interior components there's all these things that we have to that are sort of outside the purview of that but the most expensive thing that's 60 percent of your vehicle cost that should be designed for that use case and we're aiming for that million mile use case um, that sounds very ambitious for sure. I mean, yeah, so, but there's battery technology out there today that allows us to do things like 2,500 cycles, 3,000 cycles, 5,000 cycles. You could go to lithium titanate, which is, can be upwards of 100,000 cycles, but your battery pack would be the size of the truck uh, in that particular scenario. So you have to, it's a balancing act between energy density, how fast we can charge it, how safe it is, and how many cycles we get. And right now the indications are, based on a million mile use case and a 500 mile range product, right? That we will get um, the, the, the number of cycles that we intend to use while fast charging it every single time. Yeah. And I think, I mean, we, we've been doing uh, a lot of sort of uh, viewer data collection recently. Uh, right. A lot of uh, people have sent in their own truck um, stories uh -huh. um, and it's been really amazing. We, we call it do the love my ride at home edition. Right. And, uh, we've I, seen, I've a, seen a few of those. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we, we, we've seen a lot of trucks with, you know, 300,000 miles, 400,000, 500,000. Yeah. It, it's not, uh, on, you know, of course there are guys who work every day, who drive every day. Those yeah. are the guys who do 1 million miles Correct. in their vehicle. Um, mm -hmm. But that's that's not I, I would I wouldn't say that's the norm. It's at least at least if you look at the entire pickup truck market, right? Right. Um, 
because a lot of guys or in gals use their pickup trucks on the weekends maybe right yep uh, to do to do the fun things and carry their campers or boats yeah i mean as an example my 2013 truck has 195,000 miles on it uh but it it runs like a champ right it, what is it, your truck right now uh i have a gmc uh 2500 HD with the the 6.6 .6 liter uh, Duramax in it. Nice. Um, yeah. And uh, I love the truck. I you know I'm a uh, I I love that truck and I want to be able to deliver an an electrified future that makes me think. Okay, I loved that truck, but I really love this one. I love the ownership experience. I love what I can do with it and everything I can do with that because we own a Model Three as well. Uh, and if we take trips, we take my truck. We don't take the Model 3 because of all the things we've talked about. And I want to be able to have that experience uh, that I have with that vehicle, whether we're towing a camper for a week trip or a weekend trip up in the mountains, whatever it is, uh, or I use it a lot for work, towing trailers and equipment and everything all over the place. I want to be able to do that with an electric vehicle. I want that same experience, but better. Um, Mm -hmm. But then my father had a, a truck he used to haul campers cross country as uh, for work. And he put 400 plus thousand miles on his truck within, I think, a two year span, maybe three year span. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a lot of miles. That's a lot of driving. Uh, and at the end of it, 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 it was, you know, it ran relatively new. Um, and it sort of just kept going. And I think the the mindset of the future is changing. It's, it's no longer, you know, 36,000 miles, your warranty's done, let's get rid of this thing. Yeah. These vehicles are lasting longer, they're being used longer, and especially the younger generations, they're not looking to buy a vehicle every few years. They're looking for something that'll last for a very long time, that'll remain, you know, usable and valuable. So what we see is an opportunity to leverage that and over, say, 10-year period, what if you could continuously sort of refurbish and upgrade your vehicle? Uh, what if you could uh, upgrade the hardware over that 10 year period? What if after 10 years, in 10 years, battery technology will be at a point where what today say costs 30 or $40,000 in 10 years should cost between five and 10. Mm -hmm. uh, but for five to $10,000, if you could swap a battery for brand new technology that's maybe goes further, charges faster, does something different, maybe refurbish your seats. And if the body and everything is still relatively good, you could have a truck that could go another 10 years. Uh, you don't necessarily need, you know, a brand new vehicle. What if we can give you new, 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 as we sort of progress there? Or at um, least have, at least have resale value, right? Correct. Where you could actually move on to something else, but that truck is still valuable. It right? still carries value for, for a long period. And trucks today, they carry value for a long time. Mm -hmm. uh, provided they haven't been beat up too bad. Right. Um, but, but yeah, to that point, it's, it's the battery can't be something that it, it can't turn into a, a very high depreciating sort of asset that you've purchased, right? Cause that no one's going to want to buy that. Uh, so over the course of 10 years, the expectation is you get something out of that. And if we look, if we design for a million miles, then the average person that's going to sell it at say a hundred, 200,000 miles, maybe 300, there's still a lot of value in that vehicle. And if we can keep performance consistent over that period, because that's the ultimate goal. You don't want this 
drastically degrading performance curve either. You want consistency every single year. So design for that. And that's what we're doing on the battery side of things is we're not just buying a bunch of stuff, plugging it in and saying, here you go, it's your problem. Uh, we're trying to solve problems that they give you that long-term value and, and create value for those customers. All right. And before we close, uh, t tell us a little bit more about sort of uh, where you are as far as development and sort of going to the market, going to production. Um, I know a lot of uh, companies have been slowed down a lot by the virus shutdowns. Mm -hmm. uh, what, what is the current state sort of of the uh, production? So we're still in the, the prototype development stage for a lot of the truck and, and uh, the platform and things like that. We're, uh, we're rebuilding some of the battery technology from lessons learned. We're moving through that right now. Uh, we are growing the team currently. So we're still a small team. Uh, we're hoping to be uh, about 75 by the end of the year and about 130 by early next year. Mm -hmm. uh, we're engaging with partners to uh, facilitate certain things of the, the vehicle development, like the, the body development and things like that. Things that are not core to us that we're looking to work with someone else to, to bring that in. Uh, and that also helps us reduce costs so we don't have to spend $800 million uh, building a factory right away anyways. Mm -hmm. um, we, uh, obviously, there's long-term goals there. Um, but right now, our core focus for this year is getting the battery technology out there because we have partners that are looking at that technology that are very interested in it. Uh, and then we're looking to actually get the platform, which includes the, um, all the driver controls. It includes the, the dash screen, the center screen, all that stuff to a release state because we have partners that are looking for that. They want to start doing trials at the end of the year. They want to start rolling out vehicles next year. Mm -hmm. uh, that are using basically the battery technology, the, the, the core drive platform, all of that stuff, and integrate that into their existing fleets. Um, and then uh, by the end of this year, we're looking to have the prototype charging stations. We've actually, uh, we're all very close to having an agreement with the local uh, utility company here to set up a test location. Uh, we're hopefully by the end of this year, we'll start deploying uh, charging stations in key strategic areas related to those customers that are looking at that. And then end of 2021 uh, is the current goal for the pickup truck entering the market and starting uh, uh, and, and delivering to end customers there. And we'll start slow and then ramp up. So is this one, one of those things, when is some of this information will be like, when can I come by your headquarters and talk to your partner and actually kind of see your technology in action. Is that, um, is that soon or are you going to make more announcements in the future with that? Yeah. So, uh, COVID obviously had a pretty big impact with that. Uh, we, we moved into the facility, the, the new facility, uh, back in February, everything pretty much stopped <laughs> and it, uh, kind of build out of some of the facility stuff is now start the start of that is now pushed to even July. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, I would say by the end of this year, absolutely, uh, you'll be able to come out. We'll have vehicles driving around, things like that. We're hoping to get the buck up and running so we can do some, some videos and show people the, you know, plugging into charging stations, like doing all that stuff. We're hoping to have that uh, built up and running here in the next month and a half, two months, um, which is basically the core of everything that's there. Mm -hmm. uh, and... Um, but that again has been delayed just because our whole team is remote. 
uh, we're basically all working from home, right, and, and doing video stuff. But this week and next week, things have sort of started to transition. People are moving back in. So uh, we're just we're trying to stay safe and take all the necessary precautions. Well, I appreciate, uh, Mark, you spending the time with mm -hmm. me and with us. And uh, I, I'm always fascinated by this because this is kind of the next stage. You know, uh, things are progressing. We're kind of at this at this point where, you know, we're no longer talking about perfecting the, you know, the diesel injection cycles, right? We're, we're, right. we're talking about going to the next uh, step in the technology. So that's very exciting. That's why I'm asking, like, when can people, like, actually touch these things and actually get in them? Uh, because, uh, well, right, right now we just have the Model X to tow with. Yeah, it's, uh, I think the next, Atlas aside, the next two, three, four, five years are going to be some very exciting years. Uh, I know from our standpoint, we've, you know, we're working on the truck. We're also working on the next generation of what's after that, which our personal goal, <clears throat> excuse me, is to go from the, the XT, which is what we're, sh you know, showing on the website and stuff like that today, uh, we're looking to move into like class four, five, and six vehicles after that. So we're looking at sort of the, the progression up in the heavier duty vehicle segments after that over the next five years. To me, that's the most exciting. That's, that's where you really get into those bigger vehicles, but it's trying to maintain that, you know, that usability, that ultra fast charge times, all of that, that stuff there. Uh, and of course, battery technology is going to continue to advance. We're always looking at that. Uh, and that's very exciting because today it's 15 minutes or nine minutes, 26 seconds. Tomorrow it's five, then it'll be three minutes. Uh, and then the bottleneck will actually be on the, probably the utility side at some point, right? right. Um, that's a lot of power that has to come in. So how do we solve that? And we're, you know, we're looking at that as well as how do we maintain that 10 year value and everything that we do that's, that's going to hit those points. Because in the next five years, you're going to see, longer ranges, shorter charge times, higher power output. When you guys do your, your um, what is it, the, uh, the hill? Ike gauntlet? Ike, yeah, the Ike gauntlet test. I think uh, you're going to reach a point where it's going to be so easy to do it, you're going to have to go find something more challenging <laughs> after that. Well, yeah. Well, it's uh, right now the diesel trucks, the big dualies, uh, mm -hmm. we're hauling 30,000 pounds. And, right. you know, these trucks slow down. You yeah. know, these are high-tech, 1,000 pound-feet of torque diesels, right? Um, and they slow down. So right now, we are reaching kind of the limit of uphill performance. Right. Obviously, downhill performance is another story. Yep. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm curious, you know, can we tow at speed limit, you know, 40,000 pounds, 80,000 pounds? You know, yes. where, where do we stop? Yeah, I think, uh, well, I, I will... I will make you this promise within the next two years, you will tow 30,000 pounds at speed up that hill uh, with a very, very well controlled downward descent. Uh, probably something very similar to what you experienced with the Model X where you have to put your foot on the gas to maintain speed going downhill uh, because the reach end is just going to be so good. It's just going to slow it down. Right. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it's going to, and, at some point, you reach a point of how much is too much. Um, is 35,000 pounds, so that's a lot. 
uh, is it 40, is it 50? When you start talking class eight vehicles, right? 80,000 pounds, you're mm-hmm. gonna see 80,000 pounds going up that hill at speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, within the next probably three to five years, you'll start seeing that. It's gonna, it's gonna get to that point where you're gonna have to somehow find a bigger hill or a steeper hill or, or some other version of the challenge that, that you're gonna have to, to chase after. Well, we're gonna have to find heavier weights, I'm afraid. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, all right, Mark. Well, thanks a lot, and I'll take you up on that challenge. Uh, you know, in a couple of years, let's run the mountain. Okay? Absolutely. I look forward to it. All right. Thanks, Mark. All right. Take care. Thank you. And uh, you can find you where? Uh, you can find uh, we're on social media, uh, uh, Atlas Motor Vehicles. Um, you can find us on our website, www.atlasmotorvehicles.com. Uh, and then if you ever have any questions, just send us an email, email to uh, info at atlasmotorvehicles.com. Either myself, Annie, or one of the engineers typically answers those emails. Well, thank you very much. And of course, you can find this podcast anywhere podcasts are transmitted. So thank you. Yep, appreciate it. Thank you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.